We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the for the Blue Wire. And joining me, my co-host, former NFL defensive back, despised as of late by Bay Area sports fans. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Crocker, what's up, dude? Dude, they hate me. I, I, no, no you were earning it. I'm not even a Warriors fan, and I was looking at those tweets, going, "Damn, like he's going hard." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this stuff, like you gotta have fun. Like I feel like, like if it's Niners versus Cowboys, me and my brother, like you know, we're we're gonna like. You know, like we're gonna have that like fr- like competition and talk trash to each other, and then like when it's over, it's over, right? Like yep. that's what you would think, but it ain't over. Like, <laughs> like one is not over, like because they they won't let it go. They are really upset with me, um, and they definitely let me know in the comments. They let me know by how many followers I've lost. Um, but when the Lakers lost today, oh, they flooded my mentions, and it was just like I'm like, man, you guys were really hurt. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I assumed that they were going to be, man. Like, I was reading that shit, and I'm just like, damn, man, these people are going to be furious. Like, I just know <laughs> I just know how they are, man. And, and what's funny, too, is, like, 
being so mad that they were unfollowing, that's pretty funny too. Cause I mean, like, I, I didn't expect that. I mean, that's truly I can take hurt. That's well, they, truly they, hurt. Yeah. Well, they, they, they're talking trash to me and, and it's like, I, I take it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's, you know, it's like, it's fun to me. It's like, heck yeah. Like, I like it. Like, let's go. Can't wait for the next game. But when LeBron made that three, didn't you just tweet like, bitch? <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, no, see, I, I get it too. Because what's funny that you say that is uh, my, you know, my friends when I, um, you know, the place that my buddy that I went to for the draft, because we were we were doing our reaction to the first pick, and I told you like right when we were done with this, I'm gonna go over to the, you know, my buddy's draft party that I'm always going at, and they're hardcore Dallas fans. So yeah. there's we're always going back and forth, and. So I, I know exactly what you're referring to, especially when you refer, refer to the Dallas stuff. But it was just – I could tell that you were going in hard. And I just – you know, you have the same experience on Twitter that I do. I knew that there was definitely some people out there that were going to be uh, legitimately offended. But whatever. So that was uh, – that was that and the Warriors, obviously, I guess it's their last game. Those were games to get into the playoffs. Yeah, they did this like uh, playing thing, which I, I, you know, obviously is is not cool that the you know the the Warriors ended up kind of being on the outside looking in and not making the playoffs. But I think it was genius in the sense of like what it did to you know the actual like games. Like it for the first time, it made games like really matter. Like even today, right? Lakers lost game one, and it's like, well, oh well, it's a whole seven game series, right? Best of, best right. of seven. So it doesn't, you know, but like those games were like, you gotta win, like you gotta win one of the, like you got two chances, like that's it. That's so that's, I mean, that's like, part of the that's part of the value of the NFL, especially right. when it comes to the playoffs. Like this is it, there ain't no series. You got your one shot, and that's it. And uh, it, it is interesting to see the NBA kind of not that I mean I, I'm not sure if that was their intention, but creating an NBA game where it's one and done. You know, I, that, that, I think that definitely was their intention. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, now what I would ask is those those playing games, did they add additional spots to the playoffs or did they take away spots and make them occupied by playing teams? So they made it they made it they added if you were the ninth seed, you actually had a chance to get in. That that's basically what they did. And you normally wouldn't have? I want to say was it the 10th? I think the 10th and the 9th seeds. Yeah, you normally wouldn't. So I think it okay. was basically a tournament between the seventh seed, eighth seed, ninth seed, and tenth seed. And the seventh and eighth played each other, and and then the the ninth and tenth played each other. Which typically the ninth and tenth, it wouldn't matter that it would just be one through eight that made it to the playoffs. But that gave them a chance, and it was like the winner of ninth, ninth and tenth had to play the loser of seven and eighth, and. Mm-hmm. The Laker, the Warriors, who were the eighth seed, who you know in a normal year would have been in, they had they lost to the Lakers, so then they had to play another game. Which I mean, if they would have beat the Lakers, it would have gave them a higher seed. So it wasn't like there was no reward at all for them, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I liked it. I just liked the way they went with that, with you know the whole thing. Uh, you know, I thought that was it made the game matter, and we typically don't see that with basketball games. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm admittedly like not in, totally in tune with basketball. I say over the years I've slowly become a bigger basketball fan. I just, I mean, I love live basketball. I just don't get as into it, at, you know, through the TV as I probably should. 
Uh, same thing with baseball. Like I coach baseball, but I do not watch baseball on TV. Right. Like, I just like, I can't, like, I just can't, can't get into it as much. Um, but, and, and you know, another cool sports thing is, I don't know how many people watch golf out there, but Phil, Phil Mickelson became the oldest golf player to win a, a major, uh, today, winning the PGA championship. So that was cool to watch him do that. You know, I mean, you're talking about a 50 year old dude hit on, and one of the longest courses of the year beating a bunch of, you know, mid twenties and, you know, low 30 year old kids. So that was pretty impressive. But anyway, so one thing we got to say, even though this is going to be on the pod and you're not going to know this, but we are doing our first. Now, there's a little bit of a caveat. We're doing our first live striking gold podcast recording on YouTube right now. But Crocker, in his, in his infinite wisdom, didn't know that <laughs> didn't know that you had to once you establish the little it's through Streamyard, right? Like that it was it's their one of their things. Yeah, well, no, it's actually through YouTube. Through YouTube, okay. you have to like basically set up that you want to eventually go live on it. You have to set that up, and then once you do that, you have to wait 24 hours. Now that might have been something I had to do, but I probably mm-hmm. set it up and then wasn't expecting to go live at all so i didn't right. worry anything about the whole 24-hour rule but we were supposed to be going live right now on the strike and go youtube page so dang i should have put the link in this in the bio in this, oh it's but, all right i mean eventually we're, we're you guys just starting this just, we're yeah. just starting this shit so what's the technically what is the what's the youtube channel called for, is it strike and gold podcast strike and gold podcast okay yeah so that's easy enough so if you were listening to this and obviously everybody watching this right now on on crock talk tv uh, go to Striking Gold Podcast and subscribe to our channel because as far as the plans right now, we're going to do all of our podcasts live. I mean, that right. just means that I have to pretty up. I have to make sure my beard's trimmed. I even got a little bit of a neck beard right now. I got to square that away. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to make sure I'm going to have to make sure I look good because normally I just, you know, I, I like to record my podcast naked, you know, and I can't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, that's a problem. Unfortunate. <laughs> that's a problem. So, um, <laughs> But anyways, so yeah, exciting things. Obviously, Croc and and his has been having a ton of success with his YouTube channel. Uh, I know that's been going really well. So you know, with that, and it, another cool thing is it, it provides us just another another level of interaction with with fans. You know, they can see us recording the pod. They can interact the same way they would on you know another medium through the uh, through the the comments. So it works well. It works well, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And we can take our our podcasts and break them down into little segments. So you guys will get, you know, little, you know, the podcast broken up into little pieces and stuff like that. So should be cool, right? Should be cool. Should be amazing. We'll make sure that we chop up the segment of us talking about the sorry ass warriors, but go ahead. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're guys. Going, dude, they're going to start unsubscribing your YouTube channel. <laughs> I know. Sorry guys. I, I, um, that, that's it. That was my last shot. <laughs> just one more. I mean, they're out of it, so it don't matter no more. Season's over. But um, so receivers, really all we're going to talk about today is receivers. And there's a few different topics to talk about when it comes to the 49ers wide receivers. Um, obviously, this this plays into we have been going through our, our roster breakdown. We've already hit uh, quarterbacks. We've already hit running backs. And now we are on wide receivers. So and, and I would say probably – trying to think of the other positions in my head wide receiver probably more than any other position on the 49ers roster probably has the most competition you know would you agree like the 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 most uncertainty as far as the the six that are gonna if let's just say it is six you know the six that are uh that are gonna make it onto the roster I, i mean after those first two 
Who knows? <laughs> Literally, like, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. So, all right. So, the way – well, okay. So, before we get into our, our position – now, here, we, should we do the position breakdown before we talk about, like, like the Julio Joneses and the wide receiver three I think stuff? we can talk about Julio first. Okay. So, give me your thought. I mean, you have recorded – you did an entire video on – on Julio on the Julio Jones rumors to the 49ers and and I would like to preface this with saying there has been no like not a single report saying the 49ers are looking into Julio Jones the 49ers are, have made calls about Julio Jones but they've been connected with him with Julio Jones quite a bit probably mostly because Kyle Shanahan worked wonders with with Julio Jones when he was uh, the Falcons offensive coordinator so I mean other than that there really hasn't been anything concrete tying him to the 49ers, but it's, I mean, it's, do I, if, if, do I think the 49ers would inquire and, and look into it? Yeah, I do. I think, I think they, they would, always do their due diligence. <laughs> right. I think they would definitely be interested. It just depends on what the cost would be. So give me your thoughts on just kind of the general Julio Jones situation and, and what are some of the things that go through your head when, when you think about the 49ers doing that? I think more so than any other name that you've kind of been or heard, you know, being thrown around when it pertains to the kind of 49ers and maybe addressing the receiver position, like when it comes to him, when it comes to Julio Jones, I feel like he makes the most sense. You know, like he he's the guy that um, when he comes in right away, he's your wide receiver one. Now, another thing too, I think with Julio Jones, I think a lot of people think like, oh, he's just going to cost a ton from, from his contract to his, you know, what it would cost to get him, right? Like, you know, you start talking about the draft, the, uh, you know, pieces and things like that, the assets. Well, how much are people going to really give up for a guy who they really want out, right? Like the 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 Falcons want to get rid of him, right. you know, to clear up cap space. Like that's their main thing, clear up cap space. They just drafted Kyle Pitts, who's kind of like, you know, a tweener and tight end slash receiver. Um, you also have, you know, Ridley, who's been playing terrific. So I think they kind of went that way. Okay, let's start to get a little bit younger and let's get some of this money off our books so we can start kind of, you know, reworking this whole roster. And when you look at Julio, 32 years old, or he's about to be 32 years old, he's coming off of a kind of an injury-riddled season where he, you know, missed seven games. So he had maybe his, like, lowest production total ever, <laughs> you know, because right. I mean, but he's he's been so damn productive. But when you start to kind of factor in everything, right, like them kind of wanting him gone to free up space and the age and the injury, I think there's a scenario where they don't have to, you don't have to give up a ton. I think as much as people think, right? Like in your head, it's like, Julio Jones, that's going to cost you multiple first round picks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't think that's going to be the case. No, I don't either. I think it's going to be closer to like a DeAndre Hopkins type thing where it was a running back and a second-round pick. Now, I'm not saying like that's what it would be exactly, but I'm just saying in, in the sense of Hopkins, I mean, when Hopkins got traded, he was at the peak of his powers. And he was being, he was like so productive, a top three receiver without a doubt and much younger and still just went for a running back who was injured, right? David Johnson, like he's injured all the time and the second round pick. When it comes to those situations and they start kind of, you know, figuring out the cap and all that type of stuff, I think there's a scenario where he doesn't go for nearly as much as what people. Striking Gold is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Is what the 49ers going to do with the third overall pick stressing you out? Or maybe it's something a little more personal. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com gold. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Striking Gold listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com gold. That's BetterHelp.com G-O-L-D. No, I, I have always kind of been, once people started talking about trading for Julio Jones, and I started seeing people throw around what you're talking about, like the compensation for it, I, I don't think it's going to take very much at all. And I think if the Falcons are trying to get, the, every other team that's talking about this trade with the Falcons is going to have more leverage than the Falcons. Like, sure, the Falcons have Julio Jones, who inevitably is, you know, the, the product and one of the greatest receivers to ever do it. You know, like, he's... I mean, he's up there. He's Julio Jones is special, but he's on the tail end of his career. And I could even see a scenario where Atlanta is like, okay, well, we want a second round pick, and teams will be like, okay, you want to? We'll give you a second round pick, but you got to pay him five million dollars of his salary this year. You know, like if the NFL teams, other NFL teams, knowing that this is mostly motivated by Julio Jones' salary are going to be able to take advantage of that fact. They know right. that, that the Falcons are in a rough spot. 
And so it's not going to be, you know, there will, there could be a bidding war. There could be multiple teams, but the Falcons are just in a bad spot. And the fact that every other team that's inquiring about Julio knows that they're doing it because they just can't afford his salary or don't want to pay it. So I could see there being a, a, an instance where teams are asking the Falcons to pay a portion of his salary and then they'll take on the rest or, it just doesn't cost as much as people think. I could see Julio Jones being traded for like a third round pick, you know, or, or maybe a fourth and a player or, you know, like maybe I'm, I'm undervaluing him, but cause it is Julio Jones. But at the same time, I just do not see it costing nearly as much as, as a lot of people think. And, yeah. and to, to kind of tie this into the 49ers and you mentioned this too on, on some of your other videos in your channel is, I do think Julio Jones would be worth it for the 49ers because it's Julio Jones. He's a premier talent that would instantly, like, like he's not somebody where you, you have to give it much thought. Like, yes, he's, he's in, he's starting. He's going to be out there every play. Like he's just out, like we'll work it out. Debo Samuel, he'll be in the slot. We'll run more three wide receiver sets. We'll put Debo Samuel in the backfield. If we had to Julio Jones is going to be out there. He's really <laughs> one of the only options that people talk about that I could see the 49ers going after just strictly because of how good he is. You know, like he makes sense. You get way better. Do the, now do the 49ers think they're one receiver away from winning for competing for another championship? They could, you know, some things would have to go their way. They'd have to be a lot healthier than they were obviously last year. I could see why they would want to make that move. But at the same time, it's not like this. We must trade for Julio Jones type move to me. You know, you're getting a Julio Jones. It's on the very, you know, the last two, three years of his career. Um, maybe the injury things. I mean, you're talking about a guy. Let's go over the last like seven seasons: 15 games, 16 games, 14 games, 16 games, 16 games, 15 games. He's not injury prone, but he just had his first, bad, you know, bad injury season. Is that a is that a trend of what's to come, or is it just that one season? You don't really know. Given his age, you probably think it could become a trend. Given his salary, you know, do the 49ers have to trade for Julio Jones? No, you know, not at all. Do I think that they would be dumb not to do it? Nope. Like, if they can pull it off and it doesn't put them in that bad of a spot, we know they can afford it. We know they can afford it. We know the salary cap's going up. So there's there's reasons to do it and there's reasons not to do it. You know, I, I really am not in a position where I feel like the 49ers need to make this move or, or anything like that. I could see why they would choose not to. I could see why they would do it. Well, well yeah. why do you think they, like, why would you think that they would choose not to? Uh, just purely for the fact that they probably don't think they're going to get, they might not think they're going to get much out of him. You know, they're like, we're going to be paying this guy 10 to 12 million, you know, $15 million this year, 10 to $12 million the next two years. Uh, we have two wide receivers that we feel like should be on the field all the time. You know, given the 49ers and how often they they run with two wide receivers, you know, now they're having to put a guy on the sideline or change their their outlook towards a game just for the sake of, of incorporating Julio Jones. Now, again, right. like it's Julio Jones. You do what you got to do. But at the same time, I could see them being like, like, look, like I get it. It's Julio Jones, but I just don't think we need to. There are other ways that we could steer our team to make us better, you know, and, and, and that would suck up most of the, the cap space they have remaining. And we saw how that worked. Like the 49ers got to a point last year where they literally almost couldn't afford to sign more players. Like they had so many injuries <laughs> that they just were running out of, like they couldn't even, you know, they were almost got backed up against the wall. So I could see them wanting to avoid that. But, you know, 
It could go both ways for me with Julio Jones. I, I mean, it just depends. There's so many factors. Like, you know, are they going to be paying his full salary? If they are, how much are they giving up? Uh, I could just see the 49ers being in a spot where it just feels too forced. You know, they could be in a position where they're, they're working through the options and they're like, there just isn't enough of a payoff for us to do this. You know, like right. it, it just and, – and I can understand that. It's not something that's just like, holy shit, how do you not do this? You know, kind of like the DeAndre Hopkins trade was, if that was somehow presented to the 49ers, I would be like, dude, what are you – like, how do you not do this? Like, you would be – Would you give up your boy Mostert? In a second for uh, you can't Hopkins? make me say that live on the internet, man. Like <laughs> he's gonna see this. Um, I mean, fuck, man. I can't. I can't. Ref- yeah, I get. Yeah, I would. You know, <laughs> whatever. I love Raheem. I love you, Raheem. Yeah. So I feel um, like Hopkins is like 100% a Kyle Shanahan type guy too. Physical, aggressive, just goes out, does his job, works hard. Like he's consistent. He's always on the I field. Fe- I fear God. I fear God, homie. Like dude, one, of, <laughs> he, one yeah. of the greatest quotes ever, dude. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, he was at, so, he was at, what do you think, man? I, like, is? I mean, I don't get like. You think I would because it's Julio Jones? I just don't get jacked about the possibility of getting him. Like, do I think he'd make the Forty ers quite a bit better? Yes. They're also in a weird situation. Like, is Jimmy Garoppolo throwing in the ball? Is Trey Lance throwing in the ball? Are the do the Forty ers even want to throw the ball a lot? So because it to thinking, me, it to me seems like they want to run the ball a lot. Yeah. So you're thinking they need to they need to figure out their quarterback situation before they go trading assets for a guy like Julio Jones. Yeah. It's just. I mean, even that could you know that that could even be wrong because no matter who's at quarterback, you're like we want them to just have a hell of good options. Like I don't give a shit who's <laughs> back there. Give them the best options, you know. So yeah. I can see that. But at the same time, like just given the way the draft went, given the way the backfield looks. Like, it looks like the 49ers are going to be running the ball like 60% of the time. You know, like, maybe more. I don't know. If you include Trey Lance and whatever runs he gives you, it could be more. I don't know. It's just maybe maybe he doesn't fit in. Somebody well, like I can, I can easily see a 55-45 split in favor of runs. Yeah. So, you know, it, it could go either way for me. I'm not hella passionate about it. It's not something I think the 40 men should do. But if they did it, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, it's Julio Jones. So we're going to talk about the, you know, the receiver group. And as we know, like, and you alluded to when we first got on here, like, there, there's two guys that we know what's up, right? Like, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And after that, it's just a whole lot of we have no idea. Right. So I'm, do you have the list of receivers in front of you? Yeah, I do. I got it right here. Yeah, go ahead. So you got – I mean, I can try and list no, – I'm just going to list. We got Brandon Ayuk. We got Debo Samuel. Then after that, you've got Travis Benjamin, River Craycraft, Benny Fowler, who they just signed, Jalen Hurd, Richie James, Juwan Jennings, Muhammad Sadu, and Trent Sherfield, who they're I, – I wouldn't – I would expect Trent Sherfield to make the roster because they signed him kind of as a special teams. Then you have Austin Watkins, the undrafted guy they just signed, and Kevin White. So it's like – Wait a minute. You can't just skim right over what you just said about Sherfield. Because I think what? that's the guy that nobody is talking about. But you just <laughs> nobody is threw talking it out, about it. You just kind of threw it out there like you expect him to be one of the six. If they keep six receivers, you expect him to be one of the six. Yeah, I do. I mean, he's a special team. It was like it was like when the 49ers were – hold on. Because uh, Kasim Osgood. 
Kazim Osgood, yeah. Like, he was always on the roster, and everybody expected him to make the roster, not because he was going to go out and ball out, because he was hella good on special teams. Right. You know, and, and Trent Sherfield's pretty good on special teams. So. I've, been, I've been thinking about, like, that with just, you know, the return game, you know, where there's punt return, kick returns, and Richie James, I mean, he definitely had some exciting plays in the return game, return one for a touchdown, the kickoff return. Um, I thought he's had, you know, a couple other, you know, long ones. Uh, punt return, he's, he's had some, you know, really good moments. But then he's also had some low moments and some very average to below average moments as a return man. And I think you would like to get a little bit more out of your returner. And I think that's where maybe Sherfield kind of, you know, helps take up a spot in, in, right. in your opinion. Do you think that, and we'll get into the rest of the receivers, but do you think that this can be between – those two guys as far as, like, one or the other is going to make this roster. So you're saying Sherfield is 100% going to make or you're saying you would you would think that he's going to make it. So do you expect Richie James to not make it? Not Because I think it might be one or the other. It really could be. If if the 49ers see Richie James's primary value as special teams and they don't really value what he brings as a receiver, then, hell, yeah, it might come down to him or the other. Well, and I, well, that's, that's what we've seen, right? Like, you know, like it seems like Richie James – and I think he's very talented, and we'll get to him. But right. he he seems like a guy who has kind of been forgotten as a guy that can be utilized as a, a pure receiver and do receiver things, that, as we right. like to say. He's made um, plays. He's always out, like, he's always active. He's 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 always in, you know, as a kick return, punt return. But we saw late last year they started replacing him and having guys like, uh, uh, what's his name, Craycraft. In, in returning punts, like replacing Richie James. Do you That's think what that- I mean is like it seemed like Richie James was phasing himself out of his value. You know, they started wanting – he didn't seem like he was doing well on special teams. He didn't have that return. But then later on in the season, it started to get like to a point, you know, in special teams, in punt returning, kick returning, it's kind of a thankless job. You know, like it doesn't – if you return a kick, it it doesn't really work almost ever. You know, and every time they get tackled, you're like, well, I didn't even just take a knee. He didn't even make it to the 25. You know, and then, you know, punt returns normally, you don't get much out of it. And so, you know, it, Richie James started to get talked about because of the plays he wasn't making. He wasn't fielding punts that you thought he should field. He was taking kicks out that you shot, thought he shouldn't have. Like, he was doing every the opposite of what everybody was, like, <laughs> expecting him to do or what it seemed like he should do in that situation. And that's why they started trying out other guys in place of him. And if you start to – for a guy like Richie James, who it seems like they, they're in no hurry to get him out in the field. They, I mean, even like even as a receiver, River Craycraft was starting to get snaps later in the season that he wasn't getting. So if you're not – if the 49ers aren't in a hurry to get you out on, on the field and you're starting to lose your value as a special teams player, then you're in a rough spot, yeah. especially if your special teams was your main point of contribution. And now they feel like they need to put somebody else out there. You know, that's tough. That's tough. And, yeah, we can talk about his game against Green Bay, right, when all the receivers had COVID and he got his, his big, he had his big game. But if – and and I'm you, – you, we talked about this. I think it was off the air. <laughs> that was, like, the easiest and simplest big game I've ever seen. And I'm not a – I'm not a Richie James hater in any way. But you watched that, whatever it was, 160-something yards and one or two touchdowns. I 180, remember. I believe, yeah. in a touchdown. I mean, but Nine you watch touches. it and you're like, all right. You know, like, 
It didn't. I, I get. I get what you're saying. Like, I, I, I don't want to sound people, like a hater, but you you probably do sound like a hater. But I do 100. percent It's. <laughs> I get what you're saying in the sense of it didn't look like you know like damn we just can't stop this guy. No, like, you never got that. You never got those thoughts while while watching it. No, um, and yeah, I I do struggle with the fact that. You know, with Richie James, I think that he is so talented. And, I, and it's like it's crazy to me because I feel like he can win at every level of the field. He can win vertically. We've seen it multiple times. We've seen him do some crazy shit in, in um, practice, in, he, in person too. Right. Um, he's been someone who can be a guy that is, uh, you know, productive, just getting the ball in his hands, right, whether it's screens or little throwbacks. We saw the play against Arizona a couple years ago that he raced down the field 50 yards when – 49ers couldn't really get anything going offensively. That basically um, jump-started the game. Right. You know, he he has been someone who, when targeted, he's pretty productive. I, I think his uh, in the 2019 season, he averaged like 21 yards per catch. Last year, late in the, in the year against Arizona, he caught a, a deep ball uh, from C.J. Beathard. And it was like, you know, he, he does these things and he's productive. And obviously the Green Bay game where he was extremely productive – and it's like, but for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's maybe something upstairs, but they, I feel like they look for every opportunity to not get him right on the field. And that's the part I just, I, I don't understand that. Now, he spoke about it after his game against Green Bay, basically kind of saying, like, it's the politics of the sports. And I understand the politics of the sports. Yep. But the, 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 the one thing that kind of contradicts that is that Kendrick Bourne was an undrafted free agent. And right. – He's playing over you, and you were the draft pick. And that's the only thing that kind of stopped. Because I understand, like, you know, Ayu, Samuel, like, those guys were high draft picks. Like, they're going to play over you regardless. <laughs> like, in, unless they just show that they suck. And clearly they don't. But Kendrick Bourne, he was undrafted. And he's carved out his role and in, in, in has it where he, you know, works into the offense. And the crazy thing about Richie James, if you really just kind of watch the games, and maybe if you even look at his snap count after games, He's on the field. He's just like blocking and then doesn't get the ball. It's so it's it's really one of the oddest things because I think he's somebody that again I talked about how he can win at every level, but he also can be extremely productive in the slot. Like he can play slot. I remember his rookie year preseason game against Dallas Cowboys. He out the gate got a couple catches in that game. I think in that preseason he had like 14 catches over 100 yards. So when given the opportunity, he has been productive. I wonder why his opportunities have maybe been limited. And do you think, and I know, you know, we started talking about him and, and Sherfield, but maybe this is the year where it's like, all right, there is no Kendrick Bourne. All right, he was kind of Richie James' boogeyman, right? Kendrick Bourne's <laughs> out of here. So now we didn't draft any receivers, Richie. All right, we didn't draft any receivers. We haven't brought in any big-name free agents or anything like that. Here is your, the best opportunity to make an impact on this roster that you'll ever get. Do you think he takes advantage of it? Like, um, you know, I'll be positive and say, yeah, you know, like if it true, if he truly feels like his, his lack of an impact was due to roster politics, we'll just say primarily, you know, like it didn't have, and again, I get the idea that there was other stuff. There's other stuff that the 49ers didn't like, you know, I mean, but you know, it, it does kind of lead me to believe that the 49ers are ready to him. And in them, the 49ers might be thinking the same exact thing. Like, look, we will 
We didn't feel like we needed a receiver. We felt like we could have some of these guys compete to win a role. So let's just let them compete and see who wins. You know, and that's kind of it kind of goes back to remember when everybody was I think it was two years ago when everybody thought the 49ers were going to draft corners and they didn't draft any. And everybody was well, like, what the every, hell? Everybody, everybody but, but Eric Crocker, but Eric yeah, Crocker, yeah, yeah. but, my, uh, <laughs> but and you and me were both on the same page. We're like, they can't just draft a corner when they really don't even like that position has not settled itself yet. They don't they want to see these guys compete. They don't know for sure what they have in them yet. You know, and they don't just want to squash it by drafting a corner super high and then you get nothing out of it. Like, you really won't ever know what you had in those guys because you're never going to give them an opportunity to compete. And that may not necessarily be a carbon copy of the situation that Richie James is in, but he's kind of in the same situation now. Like, you have a bunch of guys on the roster, none of which, like, inspire any confidence. You know, even the former third-round pick in Jalen Hurd, who could be just this massive X factor. Like Jalen Hurd could be a roster cut or could, he could like compete for the most snaps among the wide receivers. Like right. literally could be anywhere. So if, if Richie James was ever going to earn himself a bona fide opportunity to be anytime they run three wide receiver sets to be the guy that steps on the field or anytime somebody gets hurt, he's the next guy. It would be now, but that doesn't mean that he's going to, Take, you know, you asked me if he was going to take advantage of it. I said yes. So I'm going to say yes. I'll stick with yes. But I, I feel like your heart is telling you no. Or your yeah, mind I'm, is telling you no. No, yeah, yeah, I feel like it you're is saying, for sure. You're saying, yeah, you're, you're saying that just because you don't want to come off as harsh. But really, you're thinking, Well, I just downplayed no, his, uh, his 180-something yard game as it was super, like, I said it was super unimpressive. So I can't <laughs> let, I don't want to just squash everything that Ricky, Richie James is and ever could be. But it just it doesn't feel like the team needs him. You know, like that's really what it comes down to. Like there were times last year, I mean, Debo Samuel missed how much of the season? Half at least. You know, like and Brandon Ayuk missed a few games. And that really, I mean, Richie James did come in and he had a big game. But then the, it seemed like the 49ers couldn't wait to get him back out off the field. Not in a mean way. But, like, it was clear that they would rather have Ayuk and Debo Samuel on the field despite a 180-something yard game. So, yeah, to me, they didn't see – it wasn't like, holy shit, where's Rich and James been hiding this whole time? It was like they just – you know, the 49ers did not seem impressed. They right. didn't so, feel like they needed him. So you brought up, you brought up Jalen Hurd, and I think he, you know, as a wild card, do we have any expectations for him? Or do you think that he factored into the 49ers not drafting <laughs> or, you know, getting a big name free agent? You would hope you would hope not because that to me seems a little like bordering on negligence. Like, no, 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 man, we got Jalen Hurd. Things are going to be great. <laughs> like if they were saying that, they're not that stupid. They're just not that stupid. So now, again – it's an X factor. Jalen Hurd could just be the most uh, one of the most unlucky rookies to ever step into the 49ers locker room. And the fact that he, he suffers a, a bad back injury his rookie year, even after dominating the Dallas Cowboys in preseason, everybody was like, oh, shit, here we go. And and then he suffers a bad back injury, misses the entire season. And, and a back injury is no joke. You can't just like, you know, if a guy tears his ACL, once he could walk again, you know, he could still be in the gym working upper body. And, you know, you mess up your back, like, that's it. You ain't doing anything, you know. So yeah. it's not like you can work through that. 
And then he comes back into, you know, every, you know, he's in shape. Everybody's kind of positive about where he's at. He comes back in and tears his ACL, the very next thing. So is he brittle? Is he injury prone? You wouldn't really think so, just given the way he played in college. I mean, the dude was a former running back and did not give a shit about contact. Right. Even even as a receiver was like, you know, it, it benefited him because he was perfectly willing to block. And I loved how – and you and I both, we messaged each other. This So our – love affair, our friendship, <laughs> started with kind of the, the DMs about Jalen Hurd and kind of watching and talking about what we had seen from him. And, be, you know, we walked away, I know I did for sure, very impressed by the type of skill that he had. Everybody was like, hey, Jalen Hurd, he's this just raw prospect. And, he's, you know, he's so – and it's like, what are you guys watching? Because what I'm watching is somebody who is a really good route runner, for, especially for somebody that's 6'5", 230 pounds. And he gets right. in and out of his breaks, and he was fluid, and I didn't think he had any stiffness. He had good feet. Like, like It was like I could see exactly why Kyle Shanahan really likes this guy. Then you start talking about the physicality, and I really feel like everything since Dante Pettis that Kyle Shanahan focused on is like toughness, toughness, like right. grit, grind, like, you know. And you see Jalen Hurd, and it was like, man, he exemplifies all that. And then it's like, well, all right, you know, that's cool. But let's see if he does it in the NFL. And then his first time being active in the game, I mean, just, you know, a few catches, two touchdowns, like runs through people, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. damn. Yeah, and like, he ran that safety over for that one touchdown. Play. Yeah, and then the back injury, you know, and I, it, it's tough. But I, I want to say maybe he's not the sole reason why they didn't go out and, you know, really. No. Focus on that position or adding something to it. But I would like to think that he had some kind of, you know, effect on their thought process. Not saying that he is the reason, but I think it's just like, hey, let's let's give it a, a chance and let's see, you know. And, you know, there are people, they're going to throw out some of these names, right? I mean, I've seen it in the comments as we're doing this live and, you know, Golden Tate and, you know, some other guys that people might think. And it, to me, it's like, now, like, I need to see what I have from these young guys first, just like we talked about with the cornerback position. Like, I need to see what I have from Richie James first. I need to see what I have from, you know, uh, goddamn Jalen Hurd, Jawan Jennings. Right. You know, before I go out and try to address the position with somebody like Golden Tate or any other free agent that well, might be available. And to me, like, all the talk about a wide receiver three is kind of silly. Like, uh, now, now, I'm not saying there's no use in it. You know, the 49ers, even though it won't be that often, they still won, run three wide receiver sets. Uh, you know, and, and they'll run four wide receiver sets where Kittle is one of the, the slot receivers and stuff like that. Now, right. but for the most part, the 49ers are going to have two two receivers on the field. You know, They maybe. are heavy 21 personnel. Right, and if they're not, they're 12. You know, like they love <laughs> two tight ends. They, they're not, they're not, they're never favoring the wide receivers. Not that it will never happen. So to me, like people talking about all these, like Jamison Crowder. Like right. yeah, I just see him in the comments. You're gonna pay like, a guy 11 million dollars to see like 30 percent of the snaps, 40 percent right. of, the, you know, and it's, it's to me, it either moves the needle a lot or you don't do anything. Julio Jones, I could understand because if Julio Jones on your team, he's on the field and you work out the rest of the shit, you know, you're like, you'll figure it out. But it's in Golden Tate, what does he give you? You know, like, in what way does he make your team better other than he's a receiver that gets on the field every now and then 
And if somebody gets hurt, you've got a competent guy stepping in. That, to me, is more important than the, the wide receiver three part of things because they're already at three receivers that are going to have be on the field almost all the time in George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. You know, if everybody's healthy, those are your three receivers. Your wide receiver three, if you want to call him one, is Debo Samuel. I, I, I feel like Brandon. this is kind of Brandon Ayuk's receiving core now. Um so what are you really gaining in a wide receiver three other than maybe a little bit of insurance and an impact every now and then? Now, you know, Kendrick Bourne was a wide receiver three and, you know, among the receivers. And he, he had a, a big impact. You know, he was he was definitely a, a part of that offense. So I say that, and Kendrick Bourne's kind of the exception. I just don't really see some type of big move for a wide receiver three, like moving the needle at all. Like, you know, it, it just – it just doesn't, you know, I'd rather them rather than paying somebody a lot of money or giving up draft capital to get one, you you give Richie James his shot. Now, they were about to trade for Deshaun Hamilton, which makes sense. You know, that's a guy that he's not getting paid a lot of money. They were probably only going to have to give up like a fifth-round pick maybe, sixth-round pick maybe. for yeah. a guy that was about to get cut. And obviously it's, and I have a high opinion of his skill set, but that's kind of the situation where it makes sense because you're not paying him a lot of money. You're not giving up a lot to get him. And if, you know, the fact that he's going to be on the sideline for 60% of the time, that makes sense. You know, that's okay. But if you're going out of your way to trade for, what was the Jets guy everybody keeps talking about? Crowder. Yeah. Like dude's making like 10 plus million a year. You'd have to give up a decent draft pick to get him. You know, now if you're going to wait for him to get cut, because a lot of people think he's going to get cut. For salary cap stuff, then that makes a little more sense. But but even you're then, you're still having to pay him. Yeah, you're gonna have to pay him, and even then, it's it's if the other guys don't work out, right? And we haven't even talked about Muhammad Sanu, and, and I mean, and that's another guy where I, I get it. it. You know, we saw him last year. You know, he was there for a week or two, and then they right, let him go. Right. But I do think that he's someone that when you when you look at Golden Tate. Is that well? We have Muhammad Sanu. That they're kind of similar in that way, where they're both guys, like you said, they're not going to play a high volume of snaps, and you know they both can come on the field. I feel like you know, say Debo goes down, or you know, I'm good with it being Ayuk and Sanu being your you know one and two heading into that game. You know, so I mean, those are definitely things that you know. I think it's being overhyped a little bit, that conversation of the wide receiver three. Yeah. Do you want to read? We got a, we got a, we got a super chat uh, donation from Teron Lewis. Um, we appreciate that. And he says, I think the 49er fans are worried about the wide receiver room because of the injury history of our current receivers. If Debo misses time, who are we starting? And, 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 and thank you for the contribution. But I think that's where we get back to well, what about Sanu? And, and I, I think I'm fine if Sanu has to start. He's somebody who, one, you don't have to teach any other offense to or anything like that. He knows it. He comes in. He understands his role. You know, when you start to look at what Kendrick Bourne was to those offense, I think that definitely, you know, uh, I think definitely uh, Muhammad Sanu can be that type of guy. And, again, he's – I feel like he's the insurance. I think when you look at, like, ideally, it's like, hey, we want it to be Richie Janney. We want it to be Jalen Hurd. We want it to be Jawan Jennings. But in the event that none of you guys work out, well, we have <laughs> Muhammad Sanu, who we, we know exactly what we're getting out of him. And, again, he doesn't have to go into the season as a wide receiver one or anything like that, and right, it, this high-volume yeah. target guy. He just has to play off of 
George Kittle. He just has to play off of Debo, Ayuk, and even Kyle Juszczyk. So I, I do think we're making a bigger fuss out of the wide receiver three position than what it probably is in the building because they're not a heavy 11 personnel team that runs around with three receivers. If we were the, the St. Louis Rams, I think that would be a, a, a much different conversation that we're having right now. A team that definitely, you know, plays with three receivers on the field <laughs> at all times. Crazy, they run the same offense as 49ers for the most part, like similar concepts and principles, but they do it with a third receiver instead of a Kyle Juszczyk. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I just don't think it's I just don't think it's that important. And and to me, the re, the conversation about the genuine wide receiver three. Remember, we're talking about receivers. If you're talking about the product on the field, then we're really talking about you can call it the fourth option because George Kittle's the first one. You right. know, and I, and I think this may be a year where Brandon Ayuk competes for George Kittle when it comes to the impact. Uh, in the passing game. You know, I'm not I'm not saying competes with George Kittle for impact when it comes to just overall, because obviously George Kittle does it all. Um, but I do feel like this is a year where Brandon Ayuk is going to push George Kittle for how many receiving yards they have. I, I think that Brandon Ayuk will get close. And to me, the, the conversation about the, the fourth option, it, it kind of resembles a little bit to me the conversation about your backup quarterback. Like, you know, like, we need a really good backup quarterback. And you're like, well, if you need a really good backup quarterback, then you got other problems. You know, like, if you need a really good fourth option, then you got other problems because people right. are getting hurt. You know, and, and it's not to say that teams shouldn't have good depth that can absorb an injury to somebody like Debo Samuel, who may be injury prone. We'll see. So I'm not saying it's it's the 49ers shouldn't care about their fourth option in the air. It's just that it shouldn't necessarily be something that you're paying a lot of money to or you're giving up a lot of draft capital to get. It's just, and you know, the reason we had the Julio Jones conversation is because you're not talking about a, a fourth option. You're talking about the number one option, like, <laughs> the option. <laughs> yeah. Like, like all of a sudden, like, you know, like Julio Jones is on the field, you know? And so that, that I can see because it changes the landscape of everything. Like all of a sudden Julio, like you have a, a genuine wide receiver one, but, you know, making a big move for somebody who doesn't even, you know, that, that may not even be better than Ayuk or, or Samuel, then it just doesn't. There's just not a there's not a lot of need there. You know, it's they, it could happen quick. You know, injuries, the 49ers do not have good luck with injuries. But, you know. Well, we have Sean here, and he says KB played more than Juice. Uh, 49ers played three series often. And I'd say a lot of, you know, Kendrick Bourne being on the field more than Juszczyk might have had to do – with the 49ers injury issues at the receiver position, you know, um, Ayuk missed four games. Debo missed what? I think Debo. I don't know how many games did Debo play in? Five games. Uh, I got it. I got it right here. They got this weird like pop up on the screen. Yeah, so he only, he I, only started set five and played yeah. in seven. All right, so he played in seven games, and one of the games he got hurt on like the first play. Was it? Who? What game was that? Where he grabbed his hand? The uh, Washington football team. Literally he the played, first play. Yeah, he played like, – yeah, it was like one play and then he was out. So we, we are talking about, you know, kind of a different situation where KB was kind of forced into that. Ideally, you don't want KB to have to play as much as he did. But, uh, you know, I think at their core, the 49ers want to be a heavy 21 personnel team. And it's 21 personnel with an asterisk next to it because Juszczyk is kind of like, you know, he's a fullback 
but he's also a tight end in a sense because he is a pass catching guy as well, kind of run routes and does those things as well. So, um, yeah, those are you know when we start talking about Kendrick Bourne, you know that. Yeah, <laughs> is there is there anybody else? We haven't talked about Kelvin. That... Uh, we haven't talked about Benjamin at all. No. Oh, right. Travis Benjamin. Yeah, I mean. Step in as number two, you know, and I'm looking at the comment by Teron Lewis, and it's like, Benjamin, I think how he's kind of viewed is much higher than what his production has been over the last five or six years. He's kind of been resorted. I I think the way we look at him because of what he kind of maybe was in, like, Cleveland as, like, this guy that, you know, stretches the field and he's like a deep ball threat. Maybe he has a little bit of that with the Chargers. But as of late, he hasn't been this productive guy that you can kind of count on to, to or you say, oh, well, he does these things extremely well. Well, I, I mean, in 2019, he, so he opted out in 20. In 2019, he had six catches for 30 yards. In 2018, he had 20, he had 12 catches for 186 yards. In 2017, he had 34 catches for 567. So 2017 was his last season with the Chargers, his first season with the Chargers, that really, like, had any sort of an impact. Like, right. it, it, to me, he's just – he falls right in line with all of these other wide receiver options that you just have no idea what to expect and should you be relying on them? No. You know, like – can't and that's not to say it. that he can't be productive. That's just as far as like how they're probably thinking about him, or at least how I'm thinking about him. He's there. Uh, <laughs> and, that's and just the image seem, He's there. <laughs> it does seem like they want that type of guy, right? Like that that guy in theory that stretches the field. That is a speedster. Last year they did sign JJ Nelson, right? They did sign. Tavon Austin, and that was in the absence of Travis Benjamin. So it looks like they are going in that direction of wanting someone that does win vertically in that way. And, you know, even if it's not for anything else but to, you know, pull secondary and kind of open up things for guys underneath. Maybe maybe they do want Travis Benjamin, you know, for something like that. But for what he has been over the last few years, it's not, like you said, six catches for – 30 yards or whatever. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, like, for, you know, this the comment by Turan, and I'm not calling you out, Turan, but wide receiver two, like, that's a little it's a little rich right. as far yeah. as Benjamin goes. Now, Sanu, yes, yeah, Sanu, I, I could see it. But. Well, he's he's saying if we're banking on Sanu or Benjamin to step in, then we're in trouble. And, and, oh, I, don't okay, think, okay. I, and I don't think anybody's banking on them to step in. It could be a scenario if somebody gets hurt. But, again, it, it just comes down to do the 49ers have a great third option at receiver? Not really. Um, but they also shouldn't invest a crazy amount of assets to get one. You know, like it's just it's – just, especially in that offense, it's just not hugely important. I mean, it, it, it not to say it couldn't get them in trouble. It's just, you know, you got to walk a fine line between – you know, like like you said, somebody called – somebody was talking about calling the Jets to trade for – for, I keep forgetting his name, but um, it's like why? Why would you do that? Like you can't you can't trade draft capital and pay eleven million dollars a year to a guy who you want to be your wide receiver three slash fourth option in reality because of Kittle. of of George Kittle. So 
Um, I mean, is there anybody else on the on the on this group of receivers? I mean, I don't. Benny Fowler, he's just more of like a veteran guy. I don't know if he'll make the team. Uh, you know, again, Jalen Hurd, a little bit of an X factor. The stars could align. Who's your and he six? Could... Who's your six? Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. We'll get there. I mean, we've been on for 50 minutes. So, um, Brandon Ayuk, obviously. Uh, Debo Samuel. Man, after that, it gets so hard. <laughs> uh, Mohamed Sanu. I'll go with Mohamed Sanu. But, again, he – like he's not so so the the disclaimer from here on out is and I have no idea <laughs> after that so Brandon Ayuk Debo Samuel let's go Richie James um Trent Sherfield okay that's four uh let's go Jalen Hurd I already said Muhammad Sanu I might take that one back now that I see it all um, I don't think you have Sanu right now no I kind of mentioned him you mentioned him but not in your account yeah. Uh, then I'll go Austin Watkins, the undrafted guy. Like I don't necessarily, I don't. I mean, the 49ers always find some crazy undrafted guy, and I don't necessarily think he's he's a Kendrick Bourne per se, but he has some traits that could Kendrick be. Kendrick Bourne is the exception. Now he is more physically gifted. I thought I'm not Bourne. patting myself on the back, but I thought Kendrick Bourne was special like right away. Like I, no, the, well, hold on. When you say special. You, better than what he he is, you okay. know, or, or what's projected to be. Because I never like the fact that you know once I saw him play and and run routes in person and the way he was catching the ball and the way he just carried himself, like just the eye test when I'm standing on the football field watching yeah. him, I was like, this guy's got something. And, and when I say special, anybody that can go from an undrafted free agent to earning a pretty significant free agent contract is special. You're in the NFL. You're you're fucking special. Like, you're, you're, this is why Kendrick Bourne is special. Kendrick Bourne, first of all, he was extremely productive at Eastern Washington. And he works his ass off. He he was extremely productive. There were three receivers, him, uh, Shaq Hill, and mm-hmm. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. And, and all three got opportunities in the NFL. Obviously, Cup was a second-round pick. Shaq Hill went undrafted, but I know him because he's from Stockton, so that's a little homie. But, um, you know, he spent some time with Tampa Bay. But, um, you know, Kendrick Bourne, extremely productive. But went undrafted. And the funny thing about, because it seems like a Kendrick Bourne type thing, Kendrick Bourne left early. Like, he didn't even have to leave yet. But it's like, uh-huh. of course, you know, Kendrick Bourne You're left right. early. And I think we saw right away that he was someone that had potential, right? I mean, in the first game against, in the first preseason game against uh, Kansas City, he had the long touchdown. And then he had the two-point conversion where he jumped over the dude and, and made the contested catch. Uh and, you know, I see, you know, a comment from Cleveland Scott, and he said, KB flashes, but it's not consistent. But I'd say KB was extremely consistent with what he was. Now, yeah. did did he have that game, right? I think even this part was consistent, where he'd have that one game a year where he just dropped a ton of, a bunch of passes, right? But for the majority of the season, I thought he was extremely reliable. I thought he showed up in big moments. I thought, you know, when – 49ers were in the playoffs against the Vikings. He caught several bailout passes. I, I say several. He may, maybe only had three or four catches, but every catch mattered that he caught in that playoff game. He had some game-sealing catches. Yeah. You know, and and, I mean, the, the game against New Orleans where he caught two touchdowns on third down, and it's like, you know, if Bourne doesn't make those catches and you kind of look at how the game played out, do the 49ers win that game? So to say KB – is, you know, inconsistent or even too many drops, which he doesn't like. In 2019, 49ers were like, oh, 49ers fans, he dropped so many passes. And it's like, 
he dropped three passes. He just dropped two against Seattle, one that went off his hands and ended up getting intercepted for a touchdown. And I think those are the moments and things that jump out, especially this last year. It was either against – he had one of the worst first halves ever against – it was either Arizona or Washington football team where he had four drops in the first half. Yeah, right, right, right. And, and, yeah. and it's like people take like – they'll take that moment and, and like spread out throughout the whole year as if he had drop issues all year. I feel and like anybody just, that, that doesn't like Kendrick Bourne – when the first thing they think about when they think of Kendrick Bourne is that drop pass against Seattle that turned into a pick six. Right. That's just the mindset they have towards him. Because I obviously they're not wrong. He did do that. But if that's all you remember from his, his career with the 49ers, and that's kind of like crazy for me. You know, like they, he was, for what he was, an undrafted free agent to just to make a roster is crazy. You know, but he got in there at the right time. The 49ers were in a rebuild. He got in there. He carved out a real role for himself. And he was, to me, like, you know, he wasn't inconsistent. Like, he was a, he was like their rock. Like, you always knew what you were going to get from Kendrick Bourne. And the 49ers leaned on him in a, in a few games. And he was hella good in the red zone. I mean, one year he had just as many touchdowns of, as George Kittle. You know, so George Kittle obviously gets all the praise he gets he deserves. But Kendrick Bourne had a very real impact, and, you know. I think people – I don't know what they're saying with him. Like, right here you see he had more than three drops in 2019. I will bet money Kendrick Bourne did not have more than three drops in 2019. He dropped one against uh, Pittsburgh. He dropped two against Seattle. He did not have a drop for the rest of the season. I'll bet money on that. Yeah, and it – I don't know I'll where that money. comes and from. And you guys know, I, I, I you know. Crocker will money. go back and watch every snap of Kendrick Bourne's career. One, because he'll enjoy it. Two, because he'll get you to prove you wrong. And this is the same guy that had uh, a bet real money on Kendrick Bourne to uh, to get 45 catches. And he did it. And he did it. By one, right? Didn't he get 46? It was – no, I think he ended up with, like, close to 50. Okay. Or 50. Yeah, well, I mean, but it 46 was close. is close to 50. It, I mean, uh, but it was close. Okay. It was close to – yeah. So, I mean, we don't need to go off. I mean, we don't need to turn this into the, the justice Kendrick for Kendrick Bourne. He's, he's, not, he's not, but it was just, he was, like you said, he was an exception. You know, like he, his role in the offense, you know, he made himself. And a lot of his role came from, like you said, injuries. You know, would if Kendrick Bourne have been that much of a factor if Debo Samuel stayed on the field? Probably not. But, again, he, he is the – he is the – the reason you have a decent wide receiver three, and maybe Richie James could be that, maybe Jalen Hurd can be that, maybe a veteran like Benny Fowler or Muhammad Sanu can be that. We just don't really know. There's a lot of competition. So I said my six. You gotta, you gotta say your six now, Croc. All right, I'm gonna go with Debo Samuel. Okay. Brandon Ayuk. Okay. Richie James. Okay. Muhammad Sanu. Okay. Um, Jalen Hurd. So you think they're only keeping five? Uh, yeah, uh, and I'll stick with five. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So you don't think they're keeping Sherfield walking? I mean, there's nothing. Oh, my God, he doesn't think they're keeping Sherfield. It's not a big deal. Um, I can see it, though, especially if they want to keep six. And yeah. Joey. I will show you the stats. He dropped two passes against Seattle. He dropped two. I'll show you. I'm, I'm going to bring it up right now. Go ahead, though. Keep talking. He'll just he'll say those are lying, too. 
Does anybody keep track? I mean, somebody keeps tramps, tramps, keeps track of drops. But so yeah, I mean, to sum up the wide receiver position, obviously there's just a ton of competition. Um, could this end up being a season where the 49ers do the same thing they did with Emmanuel Sanders, where they're kind of rocking and rolling? They're not really completely comfortable with the receivers they have, and they go out and they, you know, they trade a whatever they gave up for Emmanuel Sanders, a fourth and a fifth something like that, uh, to get somebody like that who can step in and have an impact right away. I could see it being like that. I think the 49ers are hoping that someone out of this group emerges as a bona fide third wide receiver slash fourth option, and they can kind of just cruise into the season. And as always, as with any team, um, can cruise into the season hoping everybody stays healthy. Oh, Crocker's showing it right now. Let's say drops. Okay. A little bit. Where's I don't see where it says drops. It's it's right. Hold on. I have it. I put it at the very end. I'll try to zoom in on it. Hold on. Let's see. Oh, drop. Yep. Yep. 2019 three. You see it? Yeah. Is that was that the season we're talking about? Yeah, that's the season we're talking about. Okay. 2019 three. 2020. What does it say? Five. Uh, Came in that one game against right. Washington or whatever. That's six drops on 74 targets, three drops on 44 targets, and five drops on 66 targets. So we're not talking about, like, a shit ton here. But, um, see, so yeah, like I was saying, I mean, I think the 49ers kind of like how they did with corner a few years ago, and it worked out for them. They just want to see how this position shakes out. And, and obviously they're, they are tying a little bit of hope into – uh, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk staying healthy. But again, you can't forget about George Kittle. If you're thinking about a, a depleted passing offense, you can't forget about George Kittle. Um, he's an option there. So I don't think the 49ers are desperate to find that as desperate to find that fourth option as a lot of people think. But again, this could be this another year where the 49ers, I could very, I could easily see the 49ers coming out of the gate pretty hot. They're playing a fourth place schedule. All of a sudden they're, you know, at midway point of the season, which there really isn't one anymore. Maybe they're, you know, seven and seven and two, and they're like, you know, hey, we're making another run here. Let's let's call around and see what kind of veteran guy we can get in here, like an Emmanuel Sanders type thing. And right. I could see them doing that, you know, but I just don't think at this time they're just. And 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 a couple of people mentioned in the chat, maybe somebody gets cut that they feel like they can they they can land and and maybe they're waiting to see how other rosters shake out. Um, because a lot of the other teams are a lot tighter against the salary cap than the 49ers are. So they could be waiting on it, um, or they could just be, like we said, just waiting to see what the competition shakes out. And maybe they know something we don't. Maybe Jalen Hurd is is 100% ready to roll, and they, they don't think that he's going to have that bad luck again. So, you know, I don't know. What are your general thoughts on the on the whole group? You know, I, I definitely think they're going to kind of take a wait-and-see approach. I really liked how you, you know, compared it to 2019 when they eventually went and got Manuel Sanders. And it was clear at that point that that needed to be done. I think I even wrote an article on it. Like, 49ers want to take this offense over the top. They need to go get either A.J. Green or Emmanuel Sanders. And they, they ended up going to get Emmanuel Sanders. But, you know, I, I thought that made a ton of sense at that time. You're talking about a team that was, what, 7-0 when they made the trade. And it was like, look, we're in the opportunity. We have an opportunity here to get even better at this position where we're kind of lacking. And maybe some of it had to do with, you know, kind of, you know, the quarterback kind of being up and down to start coming off of a torn ACL. Talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, but 
it seemed like as Emmanuel Sanders got there, Jimmy Garoppolo got better, and the offense just kind of took off a little bit more, you know, from a passing uh, standpoint. So I could definitely see that this year. Don't really try to see what do we have with this group. Is somebody going to take over? Is somebody going to take control of, you know, a third spot or even, you know, a fourth spot? I do think we at least have one guy that can kind of give you more of a level of consistency with Mohamed Sanu, and they probably know exactly what they're going to get out of him. So who's just going to be some of the other guys? And I think they're about a legit, legit – I mean, we didn't talk about, like, Kevin White and stuff, but I think you probably think that is down to, you know, Richie James, uh, you know, Jawan Jennings, Jalen Hurd, me, Travis Benjamin, and you kind of see, like, you know, who who ends up kind of taking control. And if they all just suck, <laughs> then, yeah, you go out and you probably do something that you didn't really want to do. But I think they're going to give it time to kind of see how – that all plays out. Yeah, I think that's smart. I think there's probably a lot of guys around the league that are that could have an impact that are available, and they just don't need to force it. You know, they don't. They're not desperate for anything right now, but could they solidify things a little bit? Yeah, but I think they want to. They want to see who gets cut. They want to see. You know, you got the June first stuff coming up. You know, once once June first hits, if you don't know, June first is a major like uh, escalator when it comes to contracts, and there are contracts that can come completely off the books after June 1st or, you know, stuff like that. So there could be some June 1st cuts coming around the corner and the 49ers want to be in the mix of that, you know, and, and they just, they just don't feel like they have to rush it. If, and they know, and the 49ers, we know the 49ers will make a move if they feel like they need to make a move. Like they have no problem trading for the third overall pick. They have no problem trading for D Ford, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, you know, uh, Trent Williams, and you just keep on going. So right. if they feel like something needs to happen, they can make it happen. But there's not really an option out there right now that's like, they must do this. You know, it's just, they, you know, a wait-and-see approach isn't necessarily the wrong thing to do here. So, Especially for a team that's, again, like we talked about earlier, so, you know, heavy run game and everything kind of works off play action. True. And we, we look at the receiver group, but you definitely have to factor in George Kittle into the whole equation and how he's utilized as their number one primary guy. So where most teams are kind of looking at it like, oh, we got, you know, three receivers, right, or wide receiver one, two, and three, four and are looking at it like, well, we have three targets, and I think that's a better way to look at it, right? George Kittle, IU, Debo Samuel, you look at it that way, I think it makes you a little happier about or a little more optimistic about just the position in general. Right. Well, and then what uh, Teron mentioned – he asked if we talked about Benny Fowler, and I mean, so if you don't know the Benny Fowler story, uh, the, I mean, the 49ers like a week ago signed Marquise Lee, former Jags receiver. Uh, at one point, was pretty prolific. He looked like he was going to kind of take off and have a career, uh, but that kind of fell through. The Jags are kind of loaded at receiver. He got injured, you know, stuff like that, to where it kind of fell through. The 49ers had him on the roster for like a few days, and then they just cut him and signed Benny Fowler. So I don't know what was going on there. I mean. I didn't necessarily expect a huge role for Marquis Lee. I don't expect a huge role for Benny Fowler if he makes the roster at all. Like even Marquis Lee was not a guarantee to make the roster. So, and, and just given how quickly they cut ties with him, obviously something was up there. I, I don't know. I don't want to spec- speculate. I don't know. But, you know, they parted ways with him, signed Benny Fowler. And to me that kind of just says, like, we just want guys here. You know, like we need some guys in here to run some routes, catch some passes. So it just – I don't necessarily think there's a whole lot to talk about there. Benny Fowler has never at any point 
been a huge deal on any offense. You know, the, the most he he ever did was, you know, 350 yards and three touchdowns in Denver. And I'm not hating on the guy. It's just he's you wouldn't expect him to carve out a huge role with the 49ers. He's never done it anywhere else. So, um, and this is like his seventh or eighth year. So, I don't know, man. I think that I think that uh, I think that probably sums it up, right? Yep. Yeah, I think okay. we did. All right. So, hey, what we're gonna do is. Like we said, we couldn't we couldn't run this on our on our new striking gold channel because of that little twenty four hour rule. So we're gonna take this video from this broadcast and we're gonna put it over there uh, on that channel. So if you're watching it back, you can see it. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel, Striking Gold Podcast, brand new. Um, technically, this was our first one on YouTube Live. It was just on Crocs channel because of the weird rule. So make sure you guys subscribe to it. We're gonna be on there all the time. We're gonna be doing everything on there. Um, Croc's going to be dicing up the episodes, kind of breaking them up into little tinier videos, um, kind of like what he's already doing, you know, with his channel. So, if, and he's been doing a great job with that. So I'm excited to see where it's going. Um, thank you to everybody who stopped by. I mean, hell, we were, we were uh, like, you know, right up against like a hundred people there for a while. So I appreciate that. Um, just be expecting this, be expecting this to be a normal thing now. We're going to make it happen. And, and it's, and it was only a no brainer too, because we're already on here at our computer talking 49ers we might as well do right. it with uh we're not i might as well do it you know um on youtube so i don't know man you got any uh closing thoughts i right, appreciate everybody coming in appreciate everybody tuning in watching and we appreciate the super chats of course thank you guys for the, all yeah. the all the support with everything that you guys do you guys are awesome yeah don't forget to subscribe to the channel that you're on right now you know croc talk tv obviously croc is doing his damn <laughs> thing and he's got big dreams and go head over if you haven't subscribed to our Striking Gold YouTube channel. Go do that, Striking Gold Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Our, our, our handles are our names. You, you, y'all know the deal. Uh, rate, comment, subscribe, like, hit the bell. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep a huge list in front of me of all the little things you should say at the end. Because yeah, and listen to the podcast on Apple. Yeah, and Apple, listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, yeah, Stitcher, whatever. <laughs> you know, we just got this massive list of stuff you guys have to do to support us. So hopefully you like us, and we've earned that from you. But hey, you already know what it is. For another episode of Striking Gold, we are signing out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.